I believe the Lord said once, come to me and I will quench your thirst. Come to me and I will never turn you away. Come to me and seek me out. Become intimate with me, saith the Lord. And I will show you greater things. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. Nor has it even entered in the heart of man. But I reveal them to you by my spirit, saith God. So come to me and be refreshed, saith the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Our God is a great God. Amen. And we are grateful that our God has not left us alone. One of the most powerful fruits of uh, the Feast of Pentecost is that God is already here with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that God the Father is on the throne. Amen. We know that Jesus Christ is by the right hand of the Father. But right now, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is here with us, and He's here not as a uh, tourist. He's here as our helper. The word is paraclete, but that means someone who would comfort us, but someone who would help us. It means someone who stands by our side and provides the help that we need in whatever situation. He's not here to do the work for us, but rather he's here to help us do the work, to provide the ability, to provide the wisdom, to provide the guidance, to provide the help and the encouragement for us to do the work that Jesus Christ called us to do. Amen? We are not alone. God is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And uh, he's probably the most gentle uh, persons of the, the Holy Trinity. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three persons, and they are one God, and uh, we take that by faith. Okay, as we have heard uh, the readings today, especially the first reading, the book of Acts, that describes to us what actually happened on the day of Pentecost. According to the Holy Scriptures, it says that the apostles were up on the upper room, and they, why were they there? Because they were following the instructions of Jesus, okay? Before Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father, he told them to go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Tell them, I already died for their sins. Tell them the forgiveness of sins is now available because I pay the price. Tell them that animals no longer need to be sacrificed because I became the Lamb of God and I shed my blood for you. The one perfect sacrifice that not only will it cover your sins, it will wipe away your sins. That's what he was saying to them. Okay? The forgiveness of sins is available because I paid for your sins. I died for you. I became your sacrifice. He was saying to them, Tell them that the kingdom of heaven is already here. It's at hand. It's not out of reach. It's at hand. Tell them that the kingdom of heaven is now open to everyone. Everyone can come in. You have to tell them because if they do not know this, they would not believe. But what if they reject this, Lord? That's up to them. At least they would have the choice to accept or to reject the good news. You understand what I'm saying? And when the Lord gave them that commandment, it was very urgent. 
But no matter how urgent it was, Jesus Christ said, but don't go just yet. Alright? I want you to wait for the promise of my Father. I want you to wait for the promise of my Father. I mean, couldn't they have gone into the world after Jesus Christ ascended and wherever they are, wherever they went, could not the Holy Spirit have touched them? I guess he could. But you know what? When the Lord issues commands or instructions to us, it is always wise for us to follow the Lord's commands. Right? If he gives us directions, it's always wise to follow the Lord's directions. Right? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And so the apostles were up there in the upper room and they were praying and they were waiting. The Lord says you will receive power from on high. How is it going to come? How will they know when they receive that? The Lord did not really explain to them how it's going to take place. See, every time we walk with the Lord, it is always a relationship that is based on faith. Amen? We need to trust the Lord our God. So they were there. They were waiting. They're probably asking or discussing with each other exactly what are we waiting for. Well, he said something about a paraclete. What's a paraclete? Well, Jesus said he's going to be someone just like him. Well, what's, how do we know when he comes? I'm not really sure. Well, how long are we going to stay in the upper room? He really didn't say. Okay. Here they were. They were waiting for the promise of Jesus. And Jesus just simply said, he will be. You will call him the helper. He will teach you the things I've taught you. He will bring to your remembrance the things I've taught you. He will even uh, show you things that are to come. But he didn't really explain how he looked like, what's going to happen. They didn't know. All they had was the word of the Lord. And when they probably discuss how long are we going to wait, I don't know. Well, how do we know when he, he, he comes? I don't know. We'll just know when it happens. And so they were there on the day of Pentecost. Historically, it happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, if you're going to look at a Jewish calendar, Pentecost happened for them uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday. Okay? See, their, their calendar is based on the moon. Our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, is based on the sun. So it's a little bit off by a little bit. That's okay. Because, praise be to God, we're following the same truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It says here they were waiting when all of a sudden they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. I don't know how that sounds like. Well, I have an idea. Okay? Remember when Typhoon... Uh, what was that storm that flooded up this one? Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank. Not a fr very friendly guy. But anyway, I remember looking at through the window, and I could hear the sound of Frank. I mean, it was strong. It was a whipping wind. And I was looking. There goes the sign. There goes the billboard. There goes the twigs. And I said, there goes the roof. Wait a minute. That's our roof. 
<laughs> okay, so it was a strong, it's not something that is very soothing, it fills you with awe, with fear, and they heard something like that, it was strong sound, sound of a rushing mighty wind, and then they saw uh, flames of fire on top of each other, and you know, when when I put on those hats, the bishop's hat, the bishop's mitre, that's supposed to be symbolic of that. All right? And, and uh, uh, it says here that they started speaking in other tongues. Okay? Uh, and when they, start, and they, when they started speaking in other tongues, it's not a language that they learned. It was a language that was supernaturally given to them. To others, it might not sound uh, natural, for others, it might sound gibberish. For others, it might sound baby talk, nonsense, okay? Unless the interpretation of, of the gift of tongues operates in your life, you would not understand what, what people are saying in tongues as the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible very clearly says in the book of Corinthians, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, okay? He speaks to God. And in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. No man understands him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You better, because this is English. But if I start saying to you, Did you understand that? I didn't either. <laughs> okay, and uh, some people try to uh, study this. Is this real? Okay. And so they got certain people who spoke in tongues and attached them to machines and they tried to measure which part of the brain is active when they're doing that. So uh, some of these doctors or scientists, they, they got some of the Buddhist monks, okay? And when the Buddhists started chanting their chants, you know, they don't really have to think very hard because there's only one sound that they're saying. And when they looked at the machine, so this, this front part of the brain was active. So even though they were just repeating something, okay, and it seems like they don't even have to think about it, this part of the brain connected to the speech was being very active. It was being shown on the machine. Second, they got a group of nuns, all right, and they had the nuns pray and chant their prayers. And you know, how many of you know that you can pray certain prayers because you've memorized them? You can just say them while you're doing something, right? So they, they had them chant these prayers that they've already memorized. And when they looked at the machine, this part of the brain connected to the speech was still active. It was glowing. So even though it seemed like they were not thinking about something, okay, because it's automatic. All right, it still causes a an activity in this part of the brain. So now they got a group of charismatics and connected their their, their brains to that machine. Say so now, read something in scripture or quote something in scripture. Some people have memorized certain script; they can just cut them out without really thinking about them. But when they do that, this part of the brain is still lighting up. Okay, now they says, stop speaking in your language. I want you to start speaking in tongues. And they started speaking in tongues. 
And the doctors were puzzled because it was not registering in their machine. You understand what I'm saying? It was totally bypassing the mind. Which is what? What, what St. Paul said in, 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 in the book of, of, of uh, Corinthians. He says, it doesn't, our minds are unfruitful when we pray. God gave us a prayer language. There are certain things that are beyond our speech and we cannot say them. And we, we, don't, we, we try to figure out with our minds how to pray about certain things. But God gave us this supernatural language so that when we pray, it bypasses the mind and yet it gets the message across to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not something you learn. It's not like you go to class and learn Latin, or you learn French, or you learn Spanish, or you learn an old, old language. It just happens when the Spirit of God comes upon you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes some people don't really want to pray this because even they don't understand. But what it's saying is that the Holy Spirit in you is joining with your spirit. Remember, you are a spirit. You live in a body. Okay? And when your spirit separates from your body, okay, your body begins to decay. It goes back to the dust. But while your spirit is inside your body, your body stays uh, healthy. Okay? So your spirit and the Holy Spirit, they join together. And the Spirit of God sees the need, the urgency that's in your heart. And he, and, and you know that you're wanting to say this, but it, you don't have any language for it. And so he gives you the language with groanings, with utterance that cannot be understood. And it bypasses the mind, but the mind of God picks up on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's one of the wonderful instruments, tools, and weapons that we have. I remember one time we were in Africa, it was way back in 2001, okay? And because we had only two weeks and there were certain places we were supposed to go, we found out we couldn't visit them in two weeks, so we divided into two groups. Uh, one of the other Filipinos who were there were Bishop Horn, okay? So he went with the other group, I went with the other group, okay? And so while we were in our hotel something that night my group were we were feeling very restless and we said what's, what's going on something's going on. i don't know what's going on and so we just started praying in tongues and somehow it was revealed to us they were in trouble okay our phones couldn't contact them we didn't know where they were we didn't know what they were doing what happened was later on when we met together and we asked them what happened to you on this date at this time oh we were traveling at night and then our car had a breakdown it was a dangerous part of africa and then one of uh, the members got food poisoning and things like that okay and you know we didn't know what was going to happen to us it was at that time that the spirit of god alerted us and we just kind of felt it we knew they were in trouble what kind of trouble? We didn't know. So how do we pray for them without really knowing what the trouble was? Father, we pray for their group. Lord, whatever the situation, help them. It gets the job done. 
Hello? Are you are you getting this? Alright, so that's what happened. They because it, and, and then you know when, when people heard that, some people understood them. Uh, the gift of interpretation worked with some of the guys, and they are oh, they're, they're speaking our language, they're praising God. But why are they doing that? Maybe they're drunk. And St. Peter says, no, they're not drunk. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, that begun the last days. You understand what I'm saying? That was the beginning of the last days. We are in the middle or coming to the end of the last days. Okay? We know that Jesus Christ is going to come back again. All right? And we know that when he comes back again, there's something that he was, he's supposed to do that he doesn't really want to do. The day that Jesus dreads so much. How many of you have seen the passion of the, of the Christ? You, you've seen the suffering, right? How he was being whipped, the torture. And some people said, this is the worst day in the life of Jesus. No, it's not. Alright? It's bad. It's worse than anything. But that is not the worst day of Jesus' life. It's still to come. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what is that? It is the day that Jesus Christ sits on the white throne. And on that throne, he pronounces the judgment on those who have rejected him. See, I've, seen, I've been to certain churches, and I've seen a painting of Jesus Christ on the throne with angry eyes, you know. And uh, I've heard people preach, and I, may, I probably preached this in the past, that on that day the Lord is angry and will point at certain people and say, you didn't obey me, you didn't follow me, you blaspheme me, go to hell. But it's not going to be like that. See, our Lord is infinite love. He loves us unconditionally. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. He continues to love you. Okay? And on that day, he will be facing this people for whom he had died for. This people for whom he has given his love for. And, you know, but they never returned his love. They rejected his love. And with tears in his eyes, the Lord will have to say to them, Depart from me into everlasting damnation. That's not going to fill him with joy. That's not going to fill him with satisfaction. It's going to rip his heart into a million pieces. You understand what I'm saying? That is the day that he dreads because on that day there's no more salvation. Today, you know, 
we we've seen what ISIS did in Marawi, right? Some was thinking, oh, one day they should get what's coming to them. But do you know the Lord would rather that they would repent? The Lord would rather they, they would say, Lord, I come to you. I'm sorry I killed all these people, all these innocents. And even if the people of the Philippines will not forgive them, God will. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you have heard of Hitler? Killed millions of Jews, the Holocaust. And yet, if on before, if, if before he had died, if he had said, Lord, I don't know what came over me. I'm so sorry. Killed all these guys. I murdered all of these. Forgive me, oh God. He would have been forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? It is not the Lord's heart for people to be lost forever. But that would happen. Because they choose to be lost by rejecting what he's done for them. Hello? See, that's coming at the uh, when St. Peter says, this is what the prophet Joel says, that in the last days, that was the beginning of the last days. Okay? And we are nearing the end of the last days. And I wish I had the time, but I don't. Uh, to show you the prophetic markers. And the Lord Jesus Christ is about to come again. But before he comes again, he gave us the blessing of the Holy Spirit. So that we can go into the world and tell them, God has paid for your sins. You are forgiven. All you have to do is receive what Christ has done for you. Let's get as many people in as we can so that we can lessen the tears on that day of judgment. That's what the book of Revelation says. On that day, God will wipe away the tears from their eyes. You will cry first. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, that's what happened in Pentecost. He said, this is what Joel said, that in the last days, that's the beginning of the last days. That's more than about 2,000 years ago. All right, a lot of things are happening right now. Many of the prophetic markers involving Russia and other of the Middle East countries, but most of all, Israel. They are assuming their places. Okay? And when everything is complete, things will begin to happen. The way then the Lord Jesus Christ will come. But before he comes, he's going to make sure that we will have a chance to see what heaven is like. We are living in the day of his power. God will show us what heaven is like first. Okay? See, all of these things happening. Something happened in Manchester. Uh, recently, just today, I read something about happening in the uh, London Bridge, in Marawi, in, in Resorts World, all of these things about, you know what? Spiritually speaking, this is the enemy in panic mode. You understand what I'm saying? He sees what God is doing. See, he sees what's going on in the spirit world. Although he doesn't understand what God is doing, Okay, because he doesn't have wisdom, the wisdom of God. He knows that whatever God does, it's always going to be good. And it's always going to destroy what he's been doing. 
So instead of us beginning to focus on God, he wants to distract us from what's going on. He wants us to be filled with fear so that we cannot be in faith. He wants us to be filled with outrageous anger so that we will not walk in love. You understand? He wants us to be so distracted. See, God has a plan for our lives. His plan is that we would walk in the fullness of his blessing just like he does. Amen? The enemy has a plan for our lives. His plan is to destroy us before we get there. And whoever we focus in on, it's probably going to be difficult for us to do what God is saying. And if we focus more on the enemy, we just might lose our way. And that's what he's hoping for. We will not lose our way because the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us bring us back. Amen? Okay. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, let's just go to the gospel. I think it's three verses, all right. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom, he, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Be glorified means that means he's being brought back to heaven, okay, seated on the throne, and he's there now. And that's the reason why we receive this. But it says here in verse 37, and you know, I, there are two thoughts I'd like to share with you here. First thought is, I'm basing this verse 37. We must first come and receive from Christ. We must first come and receive from Christ. Understand this, when Christ Jesus died for us, he provided everything for us, not just the forgiveness of our sins. Okay? The word salvation is from the Greek word sozo. It means forgiveness. We know that, right? It means healing. And it's not just the healing of our bodies. Healing, spirit, soul, and body. It means preservation. Okay? In the world where all of these things are going on, salvation means God will preserve us in the midst of all this. It means protection. It means deliverance. When Jesus Christ died for us, he just didn't give us forgiveness. He gave us the whole package. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? And besides, that's what the Lord said for us in Psalms 103. I pray that every day. I say, God, I thank you. You said not to forget your benefits. So therefore, I'm thanking you. You forgive our sins and heal our sicknesses. You redeem our lives from destruction. You crown us with loving kindness. You satisfy our mouths with good things so that our youth, they are renewed like an eagle's. He says not to forget those benefits. Okay? So God is not just a, a God who just gives you as little as possible. He's a God who splurges on us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? He splurges on us. That's, his love is amazing. But anyway, before I get carried away, I keep getting carried away. Uh, it says here, on the last day, that great day of the feast. Now, what feast were they celebrating? 
See, there are feasts that Israel celebrates, Passover, Pentecost. Amazingly, the feast that they're talking about is not Pentecost, it is talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? And uh, on the Feast of Tabernacles, they are remembering. They celebrate that, but, and the reason they celebrate that is that they did not say to each other, you know what, I think we should celebrate this so that we don't forget. No, it was not man-made. It was God telling them through Moses. Moses, these are my feasts, and you've got to tell the children of Israel they've got to celebrate this. That no ifs, no buts, no negotiation. These are my feasts, they're my people, and if those are my feasts, then my people, they've got to celebrate. Okay? So it was a command. It was written in Leviticus. It was written in Deuteronomy. It's there. And on the Feast of Pentecost, in their time, okay, they were celebrating uh, the gathering of the harvest. They, uh, you know, they, they you know, and during this time, they thank God for the harvest that they've had, and they thank God for the future harvest that they will be having. Sound familiar? What do we do on December 31? We have a thanksgiving and praise rally, right? What do we do there? We thank God for the blessings we have received. And we are praising God in faith for the blessings that we are yet to receive. Thank God for the blessings of the year. Praise God for the blessings of the coming year. And that's what they're doing at Pentecost. Thanking God for the past harvest. He's the one. And thanking God for the harvest that are yet to come in faith. They celebrate that because they have faith in God. What is this saying to us? God is telling them, I am your source. I am your provider. Okay? And this is something that we need to remember, church. God is not just the provider of Israel. God is the provider of his church. The economy might go wrong. The banks might close, okay? But God will never stop being your provider. You have to understand that. If your family and, you know, classic, the man makes the, the money and somehow the company closes and he loses his job, don't say, how are we going to live? What's going to happen to us? Because God is your provider, the man working, was just a channel through which the blessing of God came to you. Your job, your business, is just a channel through which God brings his blessings to you. If something happens to the channel, it doesn't stop God. He can use other channels. You understand what I'm saying? God is your provider. That's what he's saying. And Pentecost telling us, the Holy Spirit's telling us, I'm your provider. God is your provider. Whatever you're facing, God is your provider. Seems that the prices are rising up, the costs are going up, the fees are going up, the only thing not going up are your allowances. <laughs> God is saying, don't worry about that. You look to me, I'll provide for you. I'll make a difference for you. <clears throat> he was the provider of Israel at that time, and he was faithful to them. He is the provider of the church at this time, and he's faithful to us. Amen?
And that's what the feasts are there for. It is to remind them of God's past faithfulness. And because he's faithful, we can expect him to be faithful also in the future. God is the giver and the source of our blessings. Also during this particular time, they remember the time when they were going through the wilderness. So during this time, until this time in Israel, during the Feast of Tabernacles, it's going to happen sometime in September for them. They have houses and they've got flat roofs. What they would do during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would uh, build little houses on top of their houses. That's where they're going to eat. That's where they're going to eat, live. That's where they're going to sleep. And uh, somehow the roof is like open because they see the stars at night. What does it do? It, make, it reminds them of that one time when the nation of Israel uh, was going through the wilderness. In the wilderness, there was no defense against the animals. There was no defense against uh, the enemies, but they made it. They were not wiped out in the wilderness, even though they spent 40 days and 40, uh, 40 years in the wilderness. What does it talk to you about? God is your keeper. God is the one who will protect you, preserve you. Do you understand what I'm saying? No matter how bad things are and you don't know what's going to happen, understand this. God is your keeper. The way he preserved Israel then is the way he will preserve you now. Hello? Okay? And then during this particular time, the priest, you know, they, they had seven days of doing this. Uh, the priest would get water from the pool of Salawam, and then they would go, uh, he would go around the altar. They would sing a song with joy. They would draw waters from the well of rejoicing. And then they would recite Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. These are called the Hanel Psalms, okay? And uh, they would go around just praising God, and then he would pour out the water. He would do this for seven days, okay? What does this remind you of? They're praising God, okay? Remember what I said, praise is the language of faith, okay? Praise is the language of it. Let's say you have a dog in the house and you have to go and there's nobody supposed, going to take care of your dog. So what do you do? You talk to a friend, right? He said, can you take care of my dog? I'll be gone for three days. I need someone to take care of my dog, feed them at least once a day. Would you please feed the dog? And your friend says, okay, don't worry about it. While you're there, don't even think about it. I'll feed the dog. What do you say? Thank you. He just gave you a promise. You don't even know whether he'll do it or not. You don't even know whether he will fulfill it. Based on the promise, you say to your friend, thank you. And when you're gone, you're not even thinking about it. Someone says, what about your dog? Oh, don't worry about it. Someone's taking care of him. That's faith. You're not seeing him taking care of the dog, right? He gave you a promise. We're living in a day where many promises are being broken because you have faith in your friend and because he gave you a promise, he, you thank him in advance, even before he does it. It's just a promise. You don't say, okay, when I get back, I know whether I'll thank you or not. No, you don't say that. You say, thank you. I, I read the story of this uh, young missionary. Her name is Anna Werner. Just read this yesterday. She was a missionary to India with her husband and in her ministry there were people who were getting healed, there were signs and wonders, but one day her own husband became sick. 
And every, every day he got worse and worse. And then one day the doctors came uh, to her and says, you know, uh, uh, if, if this continues for the next couple of days, then you really have no choice. You've got to leave. And in other words, he's in a critical stage. He's dying unless something happens. And so this missionary Anna goes to a room and says, Lord, where are you? I need you now. I've prayed for people and we pray, you've used us. We've, we've seen healings, but now we need healing for How come my husband's not getting uh, uh, any better? I did what you said. I prayed for him and laid hands on him. I confess your word on him. Lord, where are you? What's going on? So she cried and in the moment she kind of quieted down. She heard the voice of God. And God said, the, the one thing I want you to do is go there. Lay your hands on your husband. And start praising and worshiping me. Well, she said it didn't make sense to her because nothing seemed to be working. But she did what the Lord said. Uh, laid her hands on, on the chest of her husband. She was burning up with a fever. And she said to the husband, you know, just roll with me concerning this one. Humor me. I'm just going to worship God. Husband says, go right ahead. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you're my healer. Thank you, Lord, for healing my husband. At that time, she could feel the temperature of the husband very hot. She could feel when the body trembled, when, when the husband began to, to cough. She could hear, she could feel, but she was thanking God in faith. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And she started worshiping the Lord. And then she said, while I was doing that, suddenly I felt the temperature go down. The fever broke. I put my hand on his, on his forehead. It was still as hot as the chest. I did the same thing. I started praising God before I saw the healing. I started praising God before he got better. And when I started doing that, the fever broke. In a couple of days, he stood up, healed well, and we were able to finish the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? That's what faith is. You take God at his word. If God said something to you, it's a done deal. Okay? It's as good as done because he said it to you. See, people break their promises. God does not break his. It is impossible for God to lie. So, so they were praising God. Then on the last day, the priest goes around the altar seven times. Going around seven times. What does that remind you of? Jericho. Right? The walls of Jericho. They went around the wall. On the last day, they went around the wall seven times. And the wall of Jericho came down. What's that saying to you? God is your champion. He's not just your provider. He's not just your keeper. He's the one who will give you the victory. All you have to do is trust him, obey him, and walk with him. And then he will give you the victory. They won the war not because of superior military strategy. They won the war not because of superior intelligence. They won it because they had God on their side. And what God is saying to us through this, the Spirit of God is reminding us through this, is that whatever you're going through, understand God wants you to have the victory and is trying to get you there. All we have to do is trust Him. 
and walk with him. Okay? So, and then on that last day, it was Jesus Christ who said, he said here, all right, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, I am the fulfillment of that water that they're bringing to the altar. I am the one that will give you all these things. I am your savior. I am your redeemer. I am your mediator. I am your high priest. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your provider. I will be your friend forever. That's what he said. And he says, if you need answers, if you need provision, if you need power, if you need wisdom, don't go outside. Come to me. I'm your source. I died so that you could live. I paid the price so that you don't have to pay the price anymore. I suffered for you so that you might enjoy the fullness of heaven forever. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the Spirit's trying to tell us this day. Okay? Uh, let me just uh, jump ahead. <laughs> so anything I'd like to share with you. Looking at verse uh, 38. It says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay? So basically, we come to the second part. See, we come to Christ and receive from Christ. But then, because we keep on receiving from him, understand, God doesn't just give us enough. God gives us more than enough. He is El Shaddai. Okay, and the meaning of that name, the God who's more than enough. Right? Hello? So we receive not just enough, but he gives us more than enough. So this is the second lesson. We then pass on the abundant life that we have received from Christ. Christ heals us so we can bring his healing to others. Christ delivers us so we can bring his deliverance to others. Christ gives us new life and hope so that we can also bring new life and hope to others. Amen? I get it. Because that's what he says. Out of your belly, out from, you, from your inner man will flow rivers of living water. In other words, this water, where it goes to, has the power to make it come to life, okay? And uh, we were reading through the Psalms. It says here, you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. God gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can bring the life, the life of God to others also. You understand what I'm saying? We are not bearers of death we are ambassadors of life okay and so as we have received christ we also bring him to others and help others to become like him we duplicate him in the earth and uh let me just end by reading from one of the church fathers okay this is taken from uh, saint ignatius of laodicea this is what he said Without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ stays in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. 
The church is simply an organization. Authority is a matter of domination. Mission, a matter of propaganda. Liturgy becomes only nostalgia and Christian living a slave morality without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, God is with us. The universe is resurrected and groans with the birth pangs of the kingdom. The risen Christ is here. The gospel is a living force. The church is a communion in the life of the Trinity, the body of the living Christ. Authority is service that liberates the people. Mission is Pentecost. Liturgy is memory, anticipation, and I add participation in the sacraments. And human action is God's work in the world. Okay? The Holy Spirit transforms all of these things. And we've got the greatest gift of all. Because of the Holy Spirit, we become supernatural. Amen? Amen? How many of you learned something today? Praise God. Let's all stand as we uh, renew our vows.